Oh dear. Hey guys, and welcome to Coffee Encoding, the app developer podcast. I'm your host, Rob J, and in this episode, I talk with programming mentor, app developer, and social media expert, Philip Lackner. We talk about how to grow your developer brand on Instagram, the benefits of having a social media presence as a developer, his top tips to grow your following, and much, much more. Now on to the show. I wasn't entirely sure if he was going to reply or not, because, you know, in my head, I'm like, well, this guy's got a lot of Instagram followers, so he's busy. So I appreciate it. No problem. So the first the first question for people that don't know who you are, and or I guess for the listeners, is can you give us a little bit of an overview about your development experience? Because I, I, I was just literally like having a quick like YouTube on, on your profile and, it's, and it said, you know, there was a post that said 10 years in development, right? But then you started that, that was from December 2020. So that's about six months ago, as we're listening to this. And you started that saying, I'm, I'm 23 or I'm 24. So you've been doing development for 10 years. And so you started super young. So can you give us a little bit of a background about your development journey? Yes. So I started when I was 13, 10 years now. Yeah. Um, it all started when my mom actually gave me a book about C++. And I was quite depressed on that book. <laughs> I didn't really, <laughs> didn't really understand that much. C++ is a hard language. And, but, but it still caught my interest. I love coding and I also was interested in computers for my whole life, basically. But I was keep looking for other ways, um, other programming languages, basically. And I stumbled over Visual Basic, which was my second main language. Like then maybe you know that it's uh, Windows Forms. Yeah, I do. That v- VB was my first language. Yeah. So, it's yeah. very intuitive, actually, for beginners. Um, so basically just drag and drop UI con- uh, components. And that caught my interest there. With, so I basically built tons of projects. I made stupid projects, like a chat application that was based on FTP. Um, so it basically just took the whole chat history, uploaded it to an FTP server, and the other party had a timer running that just downloaded the text file every second or so. That's great. That's great. I like it, that. It worked. Yeah. And yeah, but eventually I got into Java, uh, C got into game development a little bit. And uh, with Unity, and the whole time I just focused on on the fun part of coding. I didn't really ha- have the intention to change the world, build something super innovative, you know. Um, so I really focused on the fun part, and I also decided very early that I want to want to study computer science when the time comes. That also was the case. <laughs> so when I was nineteen, I started with that. Still studying. I will finish this summer. And during my studies, I actually started my Instagram page about Android development first, but nowadays I just post more about general programming content, but also my YouTube channel where I'm much more focused on Android. Okay. So before we get into like the, the social media aspect of things, just, just a random question is how long ago did you start your first like YouTube or Instagram, whichever one was first? Uh, Instagram was first. I started in September 2019. 2019. Okay. So not long ago. Yeah, so and like, YouTube, like two months later. Okay. All right. Cool. And then in terms of why you started those, like why, why did you start posting content about, you know, Android at the time and now just general programming stuff? But why did you start doing that? So I have a friend who also had an Instagram page about recycling trash and he always made these cool graphics like with Canva. Maybe you know that. Yep. Yep. Familiar. Websites yeah. to make content on Instagram. And I actually, like the way he designed these posts. It looked so simple, looked fun. I wanted to do the same with a topic that I'm interested in. That was, that was coding. And at that point, I was actually getting a little bit more into Android. So 
that is what I actually made the page about. Could have been about something completely different if I would have focused on something completely different at that point, but it was Android. And yeah, I didn't really have an intention why I made that page. It was actually just the fun part about creating content. Okay, so then in that case, at what point did you realize, if if I assume that at some point you realized that lots of people follow me and people are really interested in this and it could be more than just, you know, I like posting and making cool pictures in Canva. That actually went pretty fast. So comparably fast, I think, to normally when you start Instagram, it, it grows really slowly and it by far it didn't grow as fast as it does now. But I think it, I don't really remember, but I think it took me like half a year to get 10K followers. That's really fast, yeah. Yeah, I just put out that content every single day. I enjoyed it. And it also gave me a good opportunity to learn for myself because I was always lacking that meaning behind my, behind what I was learning. When I had my own projects, I always felt like I, I can't do any good with that. It's just for myself. I don't publish it. I don't change the world with it. But when I create these projects, with the intention to actually teach people, then that gave me a meaning. And I, I dove a lot deeper into these projects and learned it in much more detail. All right. So then to dive into the social media stuff, right? So people that are listening and don't know who you are, just like a brief overview of the things that I've seen is so you've got like 80 plus thousand followers on Instagram. I think you have like 22 plus thousand subscribers on YouTube and your Instagram posts, like I, I've been scrolling from, I, I really enjoy them as well. And so they're all like, you know, coding related things like scrolling, how you, how you could do this, how you could do that. And then on YouTube is a lot of like tutorials and like literally watching you code, you know, Jetpack Compose or whatever. So super interesting stuff, right? So one of the questions that I have is where do you get your ideas from? Because like from, from my, like I, I've always thought, you know, I'll start on Instagram, I'll start on Twitter and kind of, kind of like the podcast. Thankfully, I don't, I, I don't have to come up with the topics, right? I get to pick the guests. Cause for me, it's just like, all right, well, I know lots of stuff, but you know, I'll make 10 posts. I don't really know what else to post and I'm done. So like, how, how do you consistently come up with new things instead of just like rehashing the same stuff over and over and over again? Yeah. First of all, it's also not easy for me. I, I struggled with that a lot, but the thing is I struggled with that a year ago as well. And I always think I'm, I run out of ideas, but I don't. If I really sit down, brainstorm, put my phone away, then I find ideas. The big part is also um, coming from just reading books, inspirational books. I get a lot of ideas from those. I take a look at other profiles, get some inspiration, and I, I interact with people. That is also a big, po- big point. So I just take a look. What do my followers actually want? What kind of problems do they have? And that gives me really good ideas oftentimes. Um, I realize that it's often not the best thing to directly ask your followers for ideas. You you get really specific ones like, hey, I have that PHP backend with MySQL database. Please make a post how to solve that problem. And that that is interesting for that specific person, but not for the majority. So you, I'm, I'm really focusing on content that I think most people are actually interested in. But yeah, I think the best thing you can do is actually just sit down, put your phone away and brainstorm write down 20, 30 ideas, and then you have enough for the next month. Okay. All right. I'm going to give, I'm going to give that a go and see how we get on. I, I definitely find it super hard. So one of the, one of the other questions that I had in my, like that I had in mind, right. Is so in like 2015, 16, something like that, I got super into like healthy food, right. So I started my Instagram page. I think that's when I started it. And that's why my handle, if anyone's listening is low carb Rob, is because all I was making was low carb food. Right. And I think for a year or two years straight, I posted like every single picture of everything that I ate. And I tried to make it like pretty and Instagrammable. 
And I think in a year I got like a thousand followers, right? So in six months you got 10,000 and in two years you're at 80. And in like in a year I got a thousand and mine's still probably hovering about a thousand, right? So how did you manage to grow it from zero to 10,000? And was that like the, the, the things that I've read and you can tell me what's right or wrong is, you know, you got a hashtag, use as many hashtags as you can for people to find you. You have to comment on loads of people's posts for people to find you, all this kind of stuff. So like, how did you make that happen? Especially when you didn't have the intention to like grow it super fast, really big. I think we need to differentiate between having a theme page, a content page and a really a personal profile, like you just explained. So it's all about delivering the value. If people can benefit from your posts, then that is of course a big benefit. It's difficult to deliver as much value as you can with a coding post with a, with a meal. So what you could do, for example, is just put in a description that helps people, like how do you recommend them to eat if they want to eat healthy? Um, that is a way how you could deliver value. With a coding page, that is easier. And what I actually did when I started is, first of all, I, I thought about how can I stand out? What do other pages don't do and what can I do? And I, I spent a lot of time into posts and actually made projects uh, or little projects like making a little music player on Android. And I, I put the source code step by step onto my slides. If you scroll down on my profile, you can still see that. And not many people actually did that on Instagram. So it's more like uh, what I do on YouTube nowadays. I did it on Instagram back then. And the point is what Instagram really values is if people save your posts, because that means, hey, I really want to come back here. And all Instagram wants is that people stay on the platform. And saving, in my experience, is the most valuable form of engagement from all of those, like giving a like, comment, and sharing. I think saving is the, in my experience at least, it does the biggest impact. And these posts that I did, just showing source code on Instagram posts, of course people want to come back there and implement it. And that is why a lot of people actually save these posts. And I think that that was a big point. That's that's super interesting. So so the saving thing I've definitely not heard before. So that that's really interesting because I do that. If I scroll for Instagram, like I might see something I don't have time to read and I'll save it and come back to it. Or I'll see stuff that I want to read again and save it and come back to it. So I'm I'm a developer, right? I do freelance, I do freelance work. I want to start a page because you know I think it's cool. But what would be for people that are listening, like what would you say the advantages are, reasons are that they might want to have a social media presence? Rather than just, you know, I go out and get a job, I do coding, and then when I come home, you know, I don't do anything else. I think it's really the the flexibility it gives you. You can do so much with it if you're known in your niche. If you want to do freelancing, it really helps you because you can, clients can just see what you know. If you want to get a normal job, then you can show off to your future employer what you know. If you want to sell courses like I do, then you have an audience that might buy these courses. It's just having the, that personal brand is really helpful because it allows you so much flexibility and basically do whatever you like within your niche. So then that leads us on nicely, right? So let's say I'm listening to this right now and, you know, I, I just, I know iOS, I know Flutter, I know whatever, right? And I'm like, oh yeah, I'd like to build a personal brand around coding because maybe one day I want to sell courses or whatever. So if, I, if I'm starting from scratch, I have no, I have no profile anywhere or let's be realistic, right? I have a profile somewhere. I got a hundred followers and all I do is post about, you know, gaming and what I had for lunch because that's what I use social media for. So how do I start trying to like build that up without being, I guess my question would be, how do I start doing it without going through these posts that you read online that essentially just end up you being super spammy so you can say, I've got lots of followers. Because one of the things that I noticed about your profile is you get a lot of engagement, which is like 
it, that's that's when you have a personal brand like it's all good saying i've got a million followers and then you make a post and you get three likes right but you get a lot of engagement so like what would you advise someone's like first steps to be first of all it's the most important thing i'd say is just to start and just accept that your first few posts will be trash because they they will be and that is totally fine it's you don't need to be perfect from the very beginning on my posts are not perfect and i'm still improving but if you don't start then yeah it's not going to happen just just posting content is better than post uh, posting no content is better than posting bad content at the beginning if you started to post content then i would start to interact with people interact with other pages take a look what they post scroll through the comments take a look what other people have to say maybe give some advice to people asking a question under other people's posts um post stories that um encourage people to interact with you ask a question in your stories i think it's really around building that that community and it's already in the word community comes from communication so you have to talk to people you should reply to each and every comment each and every dm if it's not totally stupid uh, yeah, I get these a lot. Oh, but, me too. I'll tell you about one I got the other day in a second. It's yeah, quite sure. A story. But it's, yeah, that is actually my approach. Like community first. Still, I answer every comment under my posts, at least when I post a day, uh, when I make a post, then just before going to sleep at that day, I answer all the comments from that post. And that really gives you that engagement because you can't expect people to comment on you under your posts if you don't even reply to these comments. And also if you, if you reply to those, you can, ask them questions again and they will answer again that is another comment you have on your post another form of engagement and yeah that's basically it all right i mean you make it sound so easy right like it's (laughs) it's just you go through these steps and things are going to happen but um so i I have one other question but before that when you mentioned about some of the comments that you get like if you have any interesting stories about comments or dms that you have then feel free to share but one that popped into my head from maybe a week ago is i got a message saying i'm looking for an app developer the guy's trying to launch five businesses. All of them are going to be billion dollar businesses, groundbreaking, and they're going to have 17 billion users by the end of the year, right? Which means everyone on the planet is apparently going to have at least three accounts because there's not that many people on earth. So that one I found quite amusing. But yeah, yeah if you have any interesting there, ones. There are so many. I actually once made a YouTube video, I think my 10K special, where I read out the most funny uh, DMs I got. There are a lot of funny ones. I get these, um, hey, sir, please fix my problem a lot. They <laughs> yeah. don't even specify their problem. Or they, uh, these people who want you to build their app and just say, hey, I want to have a teacher app. How much will it cost? <laughs> yeah, you just going to quote them just like that. <laughs> yeah, you will experience that over and over again. And uh, those are usually the messages I don't reply to. Okay, all right, all right, that's good to know. I feel like at least, you know, that's some that's some form of success, right? So at least somebody's found you and, you know, whether they're serious or they're not, they're not serious, they found you and they took time to send you a message. So that's something. Something that you mentioned to me on Instagram um, earlier was that a lot of things that you see people do that are essentially wrong. So like what would be things that you see, like common mistakes that you think people make or that you see them do that, you know, potentially are holding them back from actually building a personal brand profile. So before we get into Philip's answer there, can you do me a favor and share this podcast with one developer you know? Just grab your phone right now, Signal, WhatsApp, LinkedIn, Instagram, Slack. Share this podcast with somebody right now. I would really appreciate it. First of all, don't be annoying. We all know these people who spam you with share for share, follow for follow, comment for comment, and... 
also these people who comment on your your posts, please f check out my profile. I post about cybersecurity. And you just need to look at where Instagram positions these comments. They are always at the very bottom. So Instagram knows that nobody wants to see these comments. So that is a big part. Don't do that. Another point is the worst of all, in my opinion, is doing reposts from other pages is, in my opinion, just a fancy word for intellectual property violation. You're not allowed <laughs> yeah. to do that. Other people spend hours and hours of their work into making great content and you can't just take that, post it as yours, even if you mention that page. If you do ask first, usually people don't do that. I always report it and they then don't understand why. They don't have to. But even if you have the allowance to do that, I wouldn't. Because how does this make you, make, make you stand out? In no way. Even if you have a page with 50, 100k of followers and it's solely based on reposts, What does it help you? Nobody will value your posts, value your page. So that is definitely a mistake. What would I else recommend? Yeah, that you don't interact with people. We already have that. That um, you just you just put all your content, leave Instagram, and that's basically it. You don't want to do that. You want to start inter interacting with people. It's called social media, not solo media. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, focus on really making posts that people want to engage with. We can talk a little bit about creating good posts, creating good slideshows if you want. We have these four types of engagement. You can see that if you have a post and go to your insights, it's liking, commenting, sharing, and uh, saving. And you really want to optimize for that. You want to see if I design a post, do people like that? Or would, would I like that post? Would I comment on that post? Is this, does this post engage, uh, encourage people in any way to, to comment below that? Am I asking questions maybe? Is it shareable and is it savable? So what works really well is just having some types of rankings, like top eight APIs, top five backend frameworks, whatever, because people save that. They can't remember all of these, but they want to, so they save the post and come back later. That works really well. And if you make slideshows, I would advise that you just get a little bit into storytelling. Just make it exciting to swipe through your post. You really want your people to to swipe until the very last slide. Make the headline engaging and interesting, but it shouldn't spoiler anything of your post. Um, for me, it helped to just read some books about uh, marketing because this is nothing else than marketing, having an interesting headline. And also for every single slide, I ask myself, would I actually keep swiping if I saw that slide? Because people don't read Instagram posts like a book. That is also a point. Don't put too much text on it. It's it's rather like, hey, I have those two minutes on a bus stop and I'm quickly swiping through Instagram. Let's see what it is. And people just, just quickly want to consume content. So then design the content in a way that is quickly consumable. Okay, so I have a couple of questions on that. First one is, are there any um, marketing books that you've read that you would recommend? Yes. Uh, on the one hand, for marketing, it's This is Marketing from Seth Godin. Okay. That was really good. Um, and recently, I've read a good book that was called uh, Super Fans. It's around community building yeah, from, from yeah. Patrick Flynn. Yeah. That was really good. Those are actually the, the, the two books that I would recommend around social media. Okay, cool. All right, perfect. I'm going to get both of those because I've heard of The, I think I've heard of both of them. I haven't heard of the Seth Godin one, actually. I know Seth Godin is, but I've not read that. I've heard of Superfans, but I was just like, it's probably Pat Flynn talking about podcasts, but I assume it's not. So, Oh, and maybe a build, building a story brand is also a good one that talks about story storytelling in terms of marketing. Also very helpful for posts. 
Okay. All right. Awesome. All right. So for anyone listening, I'll put that in the show notes and you can go and check it out on Amazon or something. But um, another question that I had on what you said was, how long does it take? So, you you know, you sit down and you come up with 30 ideas that you brainstormed in like, right, this is going to be my 30 posts for the next month. But how long does it take you to actually put that post together? Um, I usually spend about 45 to 60 minutes per post, including the reels I post. Um, they also take about that of ti- uh, that much of time. It's it's all about building a system for yourself that works, having some kind of templates maybe, just have a collection of um, maybe edited pictures that you can just drag into your post and reuse. That really helps. And yeah, other than that, it's it's really just, just getting that experience of making posts and you will be quicker and quicker over time. All right, that's good to know. So then something that intrigued me, right, is you, you've also said, so you're, you're finishing up your computer science degree now, right? You're going to finish it this year. And I, and I would imagine when you started this, your outlook for post your comp sci degree might be different than what it is now. So like when you finish your comp sci degree, like what, what are your plans? Are you going to go and like work for someone or start something or are you, or is like, the social media aspect and selling courses and stuff, is that going to be your thing? Um, yeah, I want to totally dive into social media and being my own boss, basically. I knew pretty early that I didn't want to be employed, but when I started this page, I didn't have, have the intention to actually use this page as as being as a mean to being self-employed. But over time, I realized, oh, this could really work until I finish my degree and yeah, that is now what I want to do. I want to focus on making courses for YouTube, selling my courses on my website, but also get a little bit more into freelancing. That is an aspect that I really want to dive in because it gives me that real life experience, which I don't get by making courses. With courses, the advantage is I can uh, I can decide about which project I build, but it's not like you work with a client, you, you have a real project and you these real life problems you just encounter when building software you know that probably yeah definitely i i I, like on on one hand i'm like all these people that make courses i could do that and or i could try and do that and not do freelancing but then on the other hand to your point like freelancing or just working for somebody there's like do you know the coding side of things and then there's like this whole other thing like right well do you understand that they ask you for this thing but they actually want something else Yes. And, you know, yeah, all that kind of stuff. So it's super interesting. But yeah, that, that would add a whole nother level because I imagine a lot of people, especially people that are doing courses because they're learning from scratch, they won't learn that stuff until they get employed. So if they know it going in, it, it just skips that whole like first year of learning experience exactly, on the yeah. job. Yeah. Okay. So I saw a post on your Instagram that I, I just kind of wanted you to talk about a little bit because I thought it was really interesting and I think people would benefit from hearing it, which was about focus. And I think the I, I don't know the exact title, but I remember it was basically about Focus is like a water bottle, right? So like, can you, for the listeners, can you just like dig into that a little bit? Because I feel like people would benefit from hearing what what you said there. Yeah. So it's basically just a metaphor for focus. We all have a limited amount of focus of concentration we can spend each day. And it's totally up to you what you spend it on. I wanted to make clear that it's a choice what you spend your time on. Some people wake up, you know, the first thing they do is answer the email, scroll through social media and the best time of their day, which is most likely the morning, they spend on things that actually don't require that much focus and concentration, but they s- still spend that. So when they then need to code something which actually requires concentration and focus, maybe in the evening where they are tired or so, then they can't do that because they didn't make the smart decisions. So that is what I wanted to say with that post, that you just have that limited amount of focus, that water bottle 
and you should just spend it wisely on things that actually require that focus. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with what you said in that post because I definitely, I like the idea that I think it gives you a different way to think about it. Whereas instead of being like, you know, I don't have the energy or the focus to do this thing, you can think beforehand, like, what's the things that I want to do? And then that's where I where I, yeah. I plan to put those things. I think a lot of people aren't actually aware that where they are now is just because of the decisions they made in the past. Yeah, 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 I agree. I Yeah, I definitely think it gives you like, it gives you, it just puts that thing in your mind, right? Where it's like, I'm deciding something. And, you know, if I decide I want to spend my focus on Netflix for eight hours, that's fine. Exactly. But at least I made that conscious decision. I didn't just get stuck. Because with me, I wouldn't get stuck on net, watching things on Netflix. I would get stuck scrolling through Netflix and not actually yeah. putting anything on for about eight hours. So. But but most people don't make that conscious decision. It's unconscious. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Which which I guess to your point is kind of like, oh, uh, yeah, that's what Netflix would want you to do. But uh, uh, yeah, you should definitely think about where you're putting your attention and your energy. Something that just popped into my mind, right, is is what is your thoughts on on social media in terms of the use of hashtags? And the reason I ask is because, like I said, when you read, like, there's loads of people that have posts about, you know, how to grow your profile, all this stuff. And a big part of it usually is hashtags, 30 hashtags, put them in your comments, all that kind of stuff. And I remember looking for your posts and if any, if there was any, at least in your recent ones, I didn't see like this whole spam post of hashtags. So like, is, is that because you feel like you've reached the point where you don't need to do that and you did do it or do you have, or did you just like not do it? Like what, what are your thoughts on that? Especially for people that are starting out, like, is it worth it or is it not? Um, I used them a lot in the past. Like I always used my 30 hashtags. But I think nowadays hashtags don't do that much anymore on Instagram. My advice would be not to focus on trying to fool the algorithm in any way. Instead, focus on creating content that people actually want to see. And that will stand out. Quality will always stand out. And I nowadays I, I use four hashtags per post and it doesn't make any difference. All right, cool. All right, that's good to know. I, I definitely like that outlook of like if you approach it in terms of trying to give people value then I guess you don't really have to worry about like, oh, is Instagram going to promote this because I hashtag coding yes. or something? No, I think it can actually even be negative if you use hashtags, if you use the wrong hashtags. Like, you know, these these apps that just give you these templates of 30 hashtags for specific topics. You don't want to use these. Instagram isn't dumb. They, they know that this exists. And Instagram is also smart enough to to realize what your post is about without the hashtags. Yeah, okay. That's good to know. I think I read somewhere, right, that you're either into like PC gaming or you build PCs because I wrote down what rig are you using? And I, and I don't remember why I wrote that down. So what rig are you using? So specifically for recording videos or in general? You can go for either or or both. Okay, let me start with my video gear, um, which is I use my microphone here. It's the Rode NT-USB. Nice. It's a really good microphone. And also, if you want to start with YouTube, I really recommend uh, spend some money on a microphone. That is all you need to start in terms of coding tutorials. Um, I have a webcam. It's a Logitech Streamcam. It, it's okay. I'm not too happy with it, actually. It has some weird bugs, um, but it does its job. I'm, I'm just using it to be have myself as a little, uh, just a little in the corner in a video with my green screen. That is another type of gear I have, my green screen. I'll have two monitors here, which I would advise you to have if you make YouTube tutorials. I always have my uh, two instances of Android Studio running to I, I prepare my projects. I don't have anything, uh, everything in memory all the time when I make my tutorials. So I can always just look over and see uh, 
what I wanted to what I wanted to ride. Okay. Okay, because I, I was watching a video of you doing the, yeah. the Pokemon jetpack something, and I was like, the, the guy either pauses a lot, because if I was coding, there'll be so many mistakes. But exactly. that, that totally makes sense, yeah. And also, many people think I, I just that it's just the first take I, I do on that project. That's what it looks like. That's the impression, yeah. Yeah, it's really not like that. I'm struggling my... I don't want to say that here, but... Oh. <laughs> 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 um, it's really hard, actually, when I make that project, and I stumble over tons of bugs... And yeah, but I need to do that to actually have a, have a clean video because, you know, nobody would keep watching if I fix all the bugs uh, in videos. No, no, no. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then also like it's, it's, it's like 50 50, right? Like one hand, if you, if you make a lot of mistakes, it's a real life experience, but two yes. people want to learn. So, you know, you make the mistakes and then they get to learn from your mistakes, but you don't make them again on the video. Yes. So, yeah. Okay. Cool. What else do we have? Well, if, mm, computer, I think it's Intel i7. I have 7700K. 32 gigabytes of RAM, and yeah, that's basically it. Just a standard mouse and standard... Yeah, it's a mechanical keyboard. Pretty old one, but yeah. You you just need to make sure that you're able to write well and type well. Yeah, agreed. All right, cool. Yeah, your your mic um, is, a, is a really nice one. I have the Q2U because I was willing to put in a little bit of money, not a lot. It's like 60 pounds in the UK, so... But it, it gives me decent enough quality, and then Audacity does the rest, so... Yeah, I think it's actually voice or audio is the most important thing for for youtube and for podcasts of course yeah for for podcasts definitely i used to i used to record these things on zoom and um uh, the audio quality was just it was fine and I, I imagine most people listening were like it's fine but for me it was just like you know why would i put in the effort and then just have this really poor quality audio when yes. you don't you don't need to so okay cool so i have one last question for you which is something that i ask everybody which is what do you think separates an okay developer from a great developer personality i think because i have worked with a lot of people in my studies who were these you know these typical nerds in 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 university and they had such a great technical knowledge but they didn't really know how to work in a group yes and they didn't know how to talk to people how to treat how to treat people and it sometimes also seemed a little bit arrogant because they always corrected you when you made mistakes and i think a Great developer actually, on the one hand, um, always looks for opportunity to learn, but on the other hand, also teaches developers who might not be as far. I think that is the biggest, biggest thing, because a lot of developers just have great technical knowledge, but they don't work on their personality. And yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. I've asked that question to so many people, and almost all of them never say anything to do with technical ability, because that's just like, you know, you can learn that stuff. Yes. But the, the soft skills is, is really important, especially when you're working somewhere. You know, there's no point yes. in just shouting at people like, no, you do it like this, because that's not going to get you I mean, nowhere. It's, it's almost never a solo game. Always, 100%, yeah. yeah you almost yeah. always work with other people. Yeah, yeah. So the last, last thing is where can people find you online? You know, Instagram, YouTube, anywhere you want to direct people to, all that good stuff. If you want to just hit me up with a message, then best is probably Instagram. If you want to learn something about Android, then check out my YouTube channel, just Philip Luckner, where you also also find a link to my website. There I have premium courses, which go just, uh, which are just a little bit more advanced. And yeah, I use these to make a living out of that. Cool. All right. Well, in, enjoy the rest of your day. And um, uh, uh, if, I think I follow you on Instagram, but if I don't, I'm going to make sure I do that right now. So. Yes, better do that. <laughs> <laughs> Big thanks to today's guest, Philip Blackner. You can find him on Instagram at philipblackner underscore official. You can find him on YouTube at youtube.com slash philipblackner. 
and you can find his courses at pl-coding.com. Finally, if you like the show, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and don't forget to leave us a rating or a review. You can do that either via Apple Podcasts or via podchaser.com. The link is in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so with a coffee donation at coffeeencodingpod.com slash donate. Caffeine is literally what fuels this podcast. If you'd like to connect with me, you can do so on Twitter at lowcarbrob. And if you'd like to connect with like-minded developers and other listeners, you can do so in our Slack community at coffeeencodingpod.com slash Slack. Thank you for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode of the Coffee Encoding Podcast.